I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Comedian Ben Elwood makes his long-awaited return as we watch Sophia Coppola's brilliant film, The Beguiled. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'm going to show you some real southern hospitality here at Big Squid. for joining me for the latest episode of Big Squid. It's nice to have you back, or if this is your first time listening, thank you for giving the podcast a go. Today we are welcoming back my good friend and comedian Ben Elwood. Uh, ben and I this season have been uh, re-watching, or watching for the first time in some cases, uh, all of the movies by Sofia Coppola, and it's been great. We've had such a good time, but we are now in lockdown, and we have, after this film, we have one more to go, which has put the kibosh on some of our plans. We have a new director, or a different director, that we're going to do the deep dive on after we're finished with Sophia. We also have another project that we are keen to get up and running, but at the moment, there's nothing we can do about that. It's so frustrating because we've been working towards this for a little while, and then you just kind of hit a wall, don't you? But what are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do this Saturday, the 17th of July. I'm releasing this on the 15th of July, so hopefully if this is something you would like to do, you hear it in time. We're going to be holding another remote viewing party. That's right. We've already done one. We What I did was I recorded a podcast that synced up with the movie The Untouchables, and then at 8pm on a Saturday, you had the movie on pause, you press play on the podcast, you listen to the podcast, and then in that I would say press play, and then you start watching the movie. And then on our Facebook page, we had 
so many people all watching together and we were just riding back and forth and it was a really fun night. It was a really fun party and it's, you know, the best you can kind of do with uh, people all over the world and some of us in lockdown and some of us in weird lockdown and some of us just not wanting to go out on a Saturday night. So it was such a success. We thought we'd do another one. So this Saturday in time for... It's the 40th anniversary of this film, which does my head in. We're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's going to be fun. I love this film. I saw it at the cinema when it first came out, so I must have been eight. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Anyway, we're going to do that this Saturday, the 17th of July, and the way it'll work again is on Saturday, I'll release a commentary track on this feed, and then all you do is you set up Raiders of the Lost Ark at home, whether you have the Blu-ray, whether you have it online on one of the streaming platforms, you just press pause at the very beginning of the film, not like not literally the start of the film, but you know, the first credit that you see coming up, and then I will have a little bit of a chat to you on the podcast. You, you start the podcast, bang on 8pm. And then in the podcast, I will say, okay, we're all going to press play now. And then we can all watch the film together and you can come over to our Facebook page. I'll set up a thread and we'll just hang out and we'll watch the film together and it'll be fun. And you can comment on the podcast. Uh, I'll be listening to myself as well. That's the part I don't enjoy (laughs) quite as much, but uh, I have to keep up with what's being said. So I know what you're commenting on, but it was so much fun last time. And you can uh, just come over to the Big Squid Facebook page and join in. Uh, We did it on the private Facebook page uh, for the last one, but I reckon we might do this one on just the normal page. And then if you want to join our our private page, you are more than welcome to. It's only private to stop people from, you know, worrying about spoilers and that. Like we've been talking about the Loki finale over there and we have a little thread going and we know that anyone who goes to that has watched the final episode so we can comment away. Been trying to help poor Steph and I think maybe it was Anna as well who didn't know how they felt about it. So trying to convince them that it was really good. I really liked it. But anyway, we'll talk about uh, Loki with Rove McManus in the next few days. But this is all about uh, the remote viewing party. One more time, this Saturday, that's the 17th of July. The podcast will be released during the afternoon and we'll all hang out and we'll watch Harrison Ford just be 100% Harrison Ford and we'll have a really good time. And that'll be an 8pm thing to do on Saturday. So if you can join us, that would be great. You don't have to listen to the podcast uh, linked up to the movie. I've had heaps of people who didn't uh, have time to do the uh, the Untouchables one with us or just listen to it at different times. And uh, I've had really good feedback that they just enjoyed it in that way as well. But once again, if you want to have a sense of community on a Saturday night, please come to the Big Squid Facebook page, download the podcast, set up Raiders of Lost Stark, and let's just enjoy watching heaps of Nazis get killed together. It'll be heaps of fun. <laughs> okay, let's bring Ben into the podcast so we can now discuss oh, just a, another brilliant movie by Sophia Coppola. This one's The Beguiled. We ask for your protection over our school and we pray that we will be kept from harm throughout the night. Amen. 
know. Get him inside. Quick! You're our most unwelcome visitor, and we do not propose to entertain you. You'll find I'm easily amused. You won't be here long enough for that. How did you end up in this place? Why are you so interested in me? I admire your strength. I'm just trying to give them what they need to survive in these times. If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? To be taken far away from here. Come with me. He seems to be a sensitive person. Does he? Seems the enemy is not what we believe. I hope you like apple pie. Is that my recipe? It is. <gasps> I need rags. I need chloroform. Go to the smokehouse. Get the saw now. Bring me the anatomy book. Can I get you anything? Give me the key. You know I'd get in trouble for that. strange memory come to mind when watching the beginning of this film yes so you know there's the explosions ringing in the background as a young girl goes looking for mushrooms mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it reminded me of a time i was in a taxi with a driver from afghanistan and we were chatting away mm. driving through sydney and we suddenly heard some explosions and i was like oh must be some fireworks going off and he replied it is very nice to live in a country where you hear explosions and you immediately think it must be fireworks. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and what a bizarre memory to have come up yeah. while you're watching something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm always grateful that we live here. Like, it is never <laughs> far from my thoughts yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. But that was one of those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, I did just automatically go, oh, explosions. I wonder if there's some pretty colours in the sky. Who's celebrating? Yeah, 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 yeah. right? It is a haunting opening to this movie, Mm. and it drew me in straight away. Mm. And I wondered, uh, what were your thoughts on that opening? Oh, it's uh, like a lot of the movies of hers that we've watched, of Sophia Coppola's that we've watched so far, there's a real sense of entering a dream. Yes. Like a dreamscape. Yes. and uh, this, Like a fairy tale, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it has its own... Um, it's a very short movie. It's only 90 minutes. Oh. But it's definitely taking its time within that 90-minute runtime. Yes. And you never feel rushed. You definitely... You know, I, I, I kind of watched it in um, Fast Forward this morning just to kind of get the imagery in my head just before I left. Because you've seen this... Yeah, I watched, it, I watched it a few nights ago for the third time. Right. Uh, but just today kind of... And, yeah. and it actually surprised me watching the time ago that it takes 10 minutes for that little girl to get Colin Farrell to the house. Yeah. So we got 10 minutes of just this kind of slow build. Yes. That's a long time in a 90-minute yeah. film. 
just kind of getting this atmosphere and the beautiful lighting and the smoke haze and it's just gorgeous. Mm. I love it. There's that real sense, as you say, of entering a fairy tale. It reminded me of the John Cocteau, I can't even say his name, um, Beauty and the Beast. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But there's a similar kind of feeling of entering, you know, the the woods and it's maybe not ominous, but, you know, you're definitely kind of... uh, the vacationer in this space. Yes. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It is such a... I didn't realise it was 10 minutes. I knew it was kind of a slow burn. Yeah. And that's audacious for a movie that, like, one-tenth of the movie is yeah. still Colin Farrell out in the forest. Hobbling with, along. Yeah. Hobbling along yeah, with yeah, a young yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. And at this stage, you still don't know what his intentions are, what right. his character is. Right. Clearly, he's a survivor. Yes. He's a scrappy survivor, and he's doing what he has to do. But, you know, we don't know where this is going to go. Yeah. And so there is a sense of kind of, uh, you know, a bit of tension oh. in that 10 minutes. Well, staying with the credits, and it's so funny, like I've got a couple of questions on the credits because yeah. they were, I, once again, I was suckered in like so quickly. Yeah. I'm so wrapped that we've been doing these movies. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. has been a real joy yep. each time to watch it and then know we're going to chat about it. Yeah, I've been yeah, so yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So the massive pink credits that flash the title of the movie just come out of nowhere. They yep. overwhelm the languid imagery and and it looked like uh, how a girl might write John's name in their diary, <laughs> don't you think? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it also, the way it flashes up yells that something overwhelming is coming our way. Oh, this is nice and peaceful, but guess what? Yep. Mr. Beguiled. <laughs> but then I love, in contrast, the tiny writing that says, it's Virginia, a few years into the war, which mm. suggests this is a small place yep. that is almost easily missed. And I just, let's discuss that, but before we kind of get into that idea, is, is Copla maybe completely underrated as one of the great opening scenes directors around? I think she's just generally underrated. Yes. I think, you know, when you hear discourse about her, it's just usually, oh, Lost in Translation was really good. And it's like, yes. oh, it is, but that was 20 years ago. Yeah. And I'm not saying I uh, don't love Lost in Translation, but in this rewatch, it's much lower on my list of favourites than a lot of the others that never get discussed. Yeah. I never hear The Begard getting discussed. No. And it's a great movie. It's got so much kind of, um, you know, there's so much of the imagery of Terence Malick in it, you know, the natural lighting yes you know no artificial you know there's that there's a lot of barry Lyndon in it, a lot of kubrick yep. a lot of that weird humor um and then that it's really funny it's really funny yeah we'll get into that the, later the, no- the yeah. noise that colin farrell's leg makes when they dump it in the grave is one of the funniest <laughs> sound effects i've ever heard in my life Stonk. <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah yeah, yeah. and I, don't, I can't remember the actress's name the the young australian actress that uh, made uh, her name in the nice guys yes um and she's in the spider-man films yes it's um, uh angerini or something like that is hysterical. Every oh. time she refers to Colin Farrell as the hated enemy in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. The uh, I, I love the 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 subtleties of Angeri Angeri Rice. I think is how you pronounce her name. Angry A N G O U R I E Angeri Rice. Very that's, funny. She's really funny. Yeah, she's like they're all funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll get to it, but the little girl who makes the mushrooms yeah. decision is like, fuck, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, little yeah. girl, I would give her three spin-off movies. <laughs> I loved her so much. The one with the old lady energy. She's <laughs> yeah. got like a weird grandma energy in a little girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you could see her at seven and see her at seven yeah. and go, yep, yeah. yep, that's her. Yeah, yeah. That's her, all the way. <laughs> uh, but the 
yeah, I, I, I don't get into shit on social media because who cares? I just like, yeah. you know, I, I, I chat with our listeners and, and, yeah. and uh, enjoy that back and forth. But uh, if I see stuff that I'm not a part of, like I don't care. And I, But I saw something purely by accident, you know, the algorithm of looking up Copla stuff. Guess what? She's turning up in all my stuff at the moment. But uh, I saw something at the corner of my eye and the first comment was uh, one of the most underrated directors around and I had to just fight the urge to say, mate, you don't understand what that word means. <laughs> what are you saying? Coppola oh, oh, he, is? Overrated. Yeah, he oh, was overrated. saying overrated. Sorry. Oh, oh sorry. What? Yeah, one of the most overrated directors around. And I was like, mate, you don't know what overrated means. Like, what Not are you talking about? Not at all. Overrated would mean that she was being discussed all the time by people who aren't even film fans. I, I don't ever hear her really discussed at all. Her As movies, I said, other than Lost in Translation. Her movies don't make a huge amount of money apart no. from Lost in Translation. Like, no. they're all pretty small budget and niche. Yeah. In in many ways, she has, along with probably, like, the Wes Andersons and the Noam Baumbachs, filled the gap that Woody Allen has left. Uh, right. Don't you okay. think? Uh, I think because, yeah. you know, like, anyone listening... We're not talking about the man. We are literally talking about the work from a period there, yeah. from about, you know, yeah. early 70s to late 80s. That man's filmmaking mm. is unassailable. Yep. Like, it's everything from Love and Death, which is like a Marx Brothers movie, to Annie Hall, which is a game changer, to Manhattan, yep. Hannah and Her Sisters, Broadway Danny Rose, Purple Rose of Cairo, Zelig, which paves the way for fucking oh, Forrest Gump. Great. Like, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Husbands and Wives, there are some classic movies and mm. each one of these directors feels like they've taken a little part and run with it. And, and yeah. she, I think she's fantastic. And I, I thought this opening that, as we already discussed, the way it takes its time and you get drawn into that world and then suddenly the big girl <laughs> and then Virginia a few years into the war and <laughs> yeah and that's the only real colour that you see in the whole movie right this, yeah. this like hot electric pink yes. while everything else is kind of you know the gingham skirts and the the soft blues and everything I also think uh, th- th- that she's doing a lot of stuff uh, that's similar to what Paul Thomas Anderson does mm. in terms of you know this is a kind of uh Vision by an autourist. It's got a weird sense of humour that you kind of have to come to yourself. Yeah. And I find it strange that he is c- celebrated while she's kind of, you know, when you talk about overrated, and I don't think he's overrated, but no. I could see how he could be accused of that. You know, he, a Paul Thomas Anderson movie comes out and it seems like everyone's just falling over themselves to say this is a masterpiece before there's any real kind of time to right. really critically assess it. Um Whereas with Coppola, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's another Coppola movie. Yeah. I would love to see her celebrated on that same level as a Paul Thomas Anderson and also given, you know, kind of a bigger budget maybe. Oh, it'd be, be fascinating. amazing to see what she could, you know, do with um, more backing. You know, I just had this awful vision of us in the future going, well, look, I'm... It's interesting seeing that she's made Fantastic Four, but <laughs> <laughs> did we need Copeland make a Fantastic I Four movie? There was no artificial lighting in the new Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> yeah, it's all written from uh, Sue's POV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it's like to be married to a fucking asshole genius, a hothead brother, and a dude who's quite nice but fucking needs to get over himself. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I've turned myself around. Yeah. I do want to see that. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Well, I guess, you know, for a moment I was going to say to you what happens if we swap the filmography yeah wow but 
if we did feel, if we did do that, like PTA's movies are pretty masculine. Yeah, I was about to so, say, there's a lot of hyper-masculinity in, in it, which yeah. is, you know, which again reminds me of, you know, the, which is why the two directors kind of remind yeah. it, They do seem to be doing similar stuff, but are on opposite ends of the gender spectrum. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Mm. So, there is also a sense of fable, as I said in this opening, as the young girl, for intents and purposes, could be taking food to her grandmother mm. when she comes across the big bad wolf. I feel like this makes the movie kind of feel timeless regardless of the setting don't you think yeah yeah it could be set 400 years ago yeah it could be set at any time really you know it's it's more the it's more the the rural nature of the setting and the isolation so in that sense you know and the fact i mean it it it, it, it there there is something to the encroaching war on the outside mm. but you know you could replicate that in a lot of ways oh yeah you, you know, know like it's uh you know they live out in this place they've all got you know vodafone as their carrier, <laughs> so they're locked off from the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know this could this this could be this could be a uh, a gentle sequel to M Night Shyamalan's The Village. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fascinating, isn't it? That it's set in such a specific time, and at the same yeah. time, does feel like it's just yeah. whenever. Well, because it's about you know human emotion, right? Oh, yeah. It's about how people interact. So that is, you know, eternal and timeless. Oh, this is about a guy who really fucking gets helped out and (laughs) takes advantage of it. And then when shit blows up in his face, blames women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we could set this, I don't know, somewhere at Channel 10, couldn't we? (laughs) In the year 2017. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We're obviously going to talk about him and, you know, what his motivations are and everything, right? We're going to get to that. Mate, I have like 27 questions that I have written. But I, you know, you got to start somewhere, sure. Benjamin. Yes, 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 yes. Go, go, <laughs> but go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and also, and I will get to this. I fucking love Colin yeah. Farrell. Like, I love him, and it's and it's such an it's such a new love. Like, a not new, but anyway, we'll get to it. But I fucking think he is. He's brilliant. What a like he goes from gentleman to. 20-something Irish backpacker very quickly in yeah. this movie, doesn't yeah, yeah, he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell, tell that, oh, yeah, this movie could be set at a backpacker's, you yeah. know? And he's yeah. just the guy who's turned up who's... And just as an actor, and it's, you know, it's, and it's similar with Nicole Kidman, I, I really respect actors who have made bank, and they're like, you know what? I got my money. I'll do a big, you know, blockbuster once every five years to get a little bit more cash and pay off my 15th mansion. But for the most part, I'm going to do these yeah. micro-budget nuanced films and Farrell's one of those guys Nicole Kidman is yeah. uh, Robert Patterson yeah. you know so much respect for that I don't understand why people who make a lot of money as actors continue to just pump out garbage franchise films I just like isn't the whole point of becoming an actor that you can yeah. you know express a range well you see it with the, uh, the the generation before them as well with the Pitts and the Cloonies yeah. and the Matt Damons and all of those guys who you know do it big and I think that's where you see someone like a Robert Downey Jr. and you know some of these Marvel stars I reckon are in big trouble once their franchises are done Mm -hmm. because no one gave a fuck about Dr. Doolittle and no one gave a fuck about that Robert Downey Jr. movie with Robert Duvall and does anyone want to see Chris Evans be anything other than Captain America and I I like Chris Evans you know and I think Downey Jr. can be brilliant like Mm. he's great as Tony Stark but Mm. we haven't seen a we haven't seen this kind of performance 
from no. him. You know, something textured and layered. And no, well, no, well, definitely not before he uh, entered the MCU in two thousand and seven or whatever. Yeah. That, you know, there, there was stuff before that. Yeah, he's almost the reverse. You know, he started yes. out in the Indies and yeah. now he's you now know, he's the, like, uh, I don't want to make a movie for anything less than all the money. Yeah, yeah. mate, you've got it all. You got all the money. Come mate, on, brother. Mate, make some good stuff. Yeah. You're, you're brilliant. Yeah. Be brilliant. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, you're brilliant. Be brilliant. Yeah. Or at least strive. Mm-hmm. Strive to be brilliant. And when you don't make it, that's okay. Yeah. At least you won have... the lottery with this role. Yeah. And, you know, all the kickbacks and everything. Yeah. We've been on a fascinating journey with Kirsten Dunst in Copla's movies in The Virgin Suicides. She's a teenager with burgeoning sexuality. Mm. And Marie Antoinette, she's an inexperienced queen. In The Bling Ring, she's an icon. That's right, yeah. And now she is a teacher who longs to be taken away. Is the pantheon of great director-actor pairings once again. This is massively underrated. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What like she's had? So, we've seen so many facets of Dunst through Copla. Yeah, and they all and they all track with her. Um, you know, the age that she is at the time that she's filming the, the mm. movie. It's always a, um, a an appropriate role for wherever she's at in her life. Yep. in in reality. Yeah. Um, which is you know I think that's a great example of you know they talk a lot in Hollywood of you know there's about roles not being written for women past a certain age. And it feels like Coppola is really primed to be the answer to that. Yeah. You know, really kind of offering these really meaty, nuanced roles. And, and you know, you really see that in this film more yeah. than any of the others because you have the full spectrum of right. of age. You know, right. you don't have a very old lady, but, you know, it, 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 it's going from, what, mid-middle age, late yeah. middle age, all the way down to childhood. Yeah. And each one of those roles is, you know, oh, very each, particular. Yeah, each kid is defined. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Dunst is fantastic mm. in this, and she's so. It's amazing how she can, in a scene, and I'm guessing this is the alchemy of director actor, she can be at the forefront. Then mm. she can kind of disappear. Mm. And she kind of, you know, especially in group scenes, which really suits the character, she just kind of gets lost, and somehow, suddenly, Fanning is the central one Fanning feels like she's in the Dunst role if Dunst had been that age yes you know yep. and uh, it's I've always liked uh, Kirsten Dunst a lot mm. but this run has really given me uh, a real proper aesthetic sense of how good she is yeah the the the, the range in this role considering she doesn't really go to any kind of like really loud, you know, histrionic place. It's all very subtle. But the way she plays that quiet desperation and that need to escape. But also the very pragmatic surrender when things don't pan out the way, you know, maybe a kind of dreamy girlhood part of her wants it to. There is an automatic click back to the status quo. And it's all done really without dialogue. It's all done with, and and not, you know, gurning or any kind of pantomiming. It's very subtle, but it's all there. And, you know, very similar to, um, I can't remember the actor's name, the the lead in um, Somewhere. Yes, you know, no, no, no. The, the oh, male Stephen lead. Dorf. Stephen yeah. Dorf. Yeah. You know, there's so much going on with yes. so little really expressed. It's oh. got a very still performance, but my god, one of the best scenes in that movie is when Michelle Monaghan and he are having the photos taken, yeah. and he's on the box, and she is doing all the talking, yeah. and his face is barely doing anything but doing everything. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah, and what a what a meaty, subtle role where she is the woman who is manipulated, Hmm. uh, seduced, promised. She's then 
uh, betrayed, mm. and then when she lashes out through no fault of her own, an accident happens, and she takes on the blame mm-hmm. and wants to make up for it and mm. still believes that she can get away. Yep. And then acquiesces in the end to her previous lifestyle. Mm-hmm. With probably, what, 20 lines in the whole movie? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Fuck, what a good film. Yeah, it's, I told you, it's yeah. my favourite of the run. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really great. Yeah. Let's get tattoos that say The Beguiled <laughs> and that big writing across our backs. <laughs> Imagine that was at the end of this. We, we've become such super fans that we send a photo to Sophia. Thought you'd like this. She looks and goes, "Fuck, what's happened to these idiots?" Block. Anyway, block, block. <laughs> um, watching Nicole Kidman's Martha clean Colin's naked body mm. is essential as yep. it lingers on each part of him. Mm. Uh, did you find something biblical in this scene? The, the pious woman in white washing the bearded, wounded man has. Some imagery going on, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, there's some imagery, yeah. And then, but then it subverts the imagery by kind of uh, giving you the female gaze of this uh, extremely good-looking man. Yeah. You know, and, it, and, it, and it, it's, it's an interesting... It's, it's, it's good that you say sensual because it's... Uh, I, I saw an interview with Coppola where she talks about the original Beguiled, which mm. I haven't seen. No, uh, I haven't. I've got some... I've done some research right. on it that we can discuss later, but tell well, me. Well, yeah. she says, uh, you know, that that movie is very much uh, observing women through the male gaze, mm. whereas she wanted to remake it as an observation of a man through the female gaze. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can really see how that washing scene would have been depicted very differently if it was directed by a male yeah. through the male gaze. It would have had an element of sexiness to it. Yes. This scene doesn't isn't sexy, but it is sensual. Yeah. It is sensual, and there's and there's an and there is a um, there's a nurturing within it. Yeah, you know, uh, and you can see towards the end of the scene, there's like some hot flushes happening, yes. and you know, there's some thoughts creeping into her head yeah. that maybe she doesn't want in there. Yeah, but you know, she's is she who she is. Yeah, she's a professional. She's yeah. pious, and she you know tamps it down and gets on with the job. Even the way that she just carefully lifts up a little bit so she can clean just a little bit in near the hip, but not Mm -hmm. too far. You know, in a Tarantino movie that (laughs) would be, you know, ripped off and suddenly there's some insignificant handy happening and then one of the women walks in and goes, oh no, hang on, um, I've had all my drugs and now I'm freaking out. I don't know. Paint it black is pounding over the soundtrack. It's like, what is happening? But it just lingers on him for so long and he's such a, he's such a beautiful man. It's such a, yeah, uh, it, it's it, but it's also funny as yeah. well. Like yeah. you know, he, as he said, the hot flushes in Nicole yeah. and you're like, oh no! Like she's starting to think maybe the J Dog isn't my man. Like maybe it's the soldier. It's so subtle. I did read some yeah. criticism online that since Copler was using the tools of the patriarchy of gazing at the male body rather than the female body, that it fails as a feminist attempt to dismantle those types of stories. Yet my <laughs> counter to this would be a fundamental misreading of the scene which is that it's full of irony and therefore is incredibly funny yeah right like yeah, I, yeah, don't yeah. you feel like uh, in all of these i don't like i try not to read too much in reviews but you know because i'm looking to do research yeah, for yeah, us yeah. to have stuff to talk about and when i do find criticisms i honestly think it's consistently people not realizing this shit is funny yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I think that so much... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like so much film criticism is done with one eye on the fucking phone and mm. one eye on the screen. Mm. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, the, the, the culture of hot takes and, yeah. you know, this is the way it is. It's like, no, 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 it's a piece of art. And so you can say, this is my subjective opinion on it. Mm. But, you know, now it's this, this like, no, this is what it is. Mm. And I'm, you know, I've done my investigations and it's like, oh, I just think that you're kind of um, trying to find a hot take that'll get you some clicks rather than actually engaging with the thing. And it's not to say that that these things aren't open for criticism or dissection. That's the beauty of it. But um, yeah, I do feel like if you're not surrendering to a piece of art fully, uh, then you don't really get to have an extreme take on it. Right. I, I would prefer to read someone saying... I understand there's humour in this, but it's not my type of humour. That I get. I feel that way about a lot of comedians we know. (laughs) (laughs) In in their defence, I'm sure they feel the same way about me. (laughs) But it is... But you can still recognise something as being funny and not find it funny totally in fact i feel like that 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 is an important part of the evolution of uh you as a a human being who is receiving art you know when i was younger you know using comedy as a great example when i first started comedy it was very much you know a militant no there is one way to do comedy and that way to do comedy is to bellow and scream at the audience to try and make some grand political point that they probably don't want to hear because they paid 30 dollars to watch a comedy show and not watch a fucking 25 year old have a mental breakdown and lecture them on how to think yeah um and i was wrong uh, yep. that is a that is a style of comedy and it can be great if done well but there is a full spectrum yep. and um i remember you know coming to that uh, coming to that realization one day where it's like you know what it's not for me but it's fine to yep. wish it out of existence is you know very akin to kind of a book burning mentality so yeah. it's fine it can exist it's just not for me yeah doesn't mean that I have to fucking rail and carry on it's all good you know I'm so glad that I grew up and got to that point myself because I think mm. it's a very understandable young approach mm. to liking things or not yeah. liking things but like a key example of someone's stand-up that I'm not really that into is Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. But I saw him live, and it is one of the greatest stand-up shows I've ever seen. Really? And I loved it because really? he was so good. And it's not necessarily my humour, but he was so good. Yeah. And it was like watching a master and the rhythms of it and the way he held himself and his takes on things were, you know, the angles that he was coming at it from. There was just... You know, he was talking about, you know, everyone's life is shit. Your life shit, my life shit. Ah, mine's not as shit as yours. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like just that self-awareness of yeah. he's trying to make a point. Ah, but everyone knows I'm pretty rich yeah. and successful. Yeah, so yeah, I'll just yeah. make this little joke and then get back to my point. It's such a small thing, but that's uh, someone who knows who they are and understands their craft. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Copeland. The further we go, the mm. funnier it becomes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, look... We've already discussed Colin Farrell a little bit. I love him only in small movies. I think I may have told you this before, but I, I never got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I saw In Bruges, and right. I went. That was the movie. And I went. Oh, that's that's the guy. That's uh-huh. the guy that everyone's excited by. So, yep. and yep. he's got a touch of the Ewan McGregor's for me. The smaller the movie, the more I love them. Yeah. It's like, have you ever seen Beginners with Ewan no. McGregor? Oh my God, he is so good. Melanie Laurent. It's such a beautiful movie. Christopher Plummer. It's a story about uh, McGregor. Uh, Plummer's his dad and his father after his um, 
after his mum dies, comes right. out as gay. And it's a Mike his father Mills, comes out as gay. Yeah, yeah right. it's, a, it's Mike Mills' movie, and mm-hmm. it's beautiful, and yeah. he is wonderful in it. And so Colin Farrell is always much better in smaller films for me. And then for some reason, when he makes a bigger film, it kind of blands out. And what yeah. do you reckon that is? Do you think that is? Uh, do you think it's a poor choice or just bad luck in big films, or is there just something about his skill set that mm-hmm. gets lost? In a bigger budget. Yeah, I think that he is... Because I think, you know, uh, two great performances of his are uh, in The Lobster and in The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, And they're kind of similar to this performance in that they are extremely (laughs) understated performances. Yeah. Very, very subtle. Yeah. Uh, And he is just so brilliant in all three of those films. I mean, I don't even really like Killing of a Sacred Deer, but he's No, it didn't quite land for me either, but he's... But he's great. Awesome. And and it's that weird, unsettling kind of, you know, the way Kubrick or Lynch gets their actors to deliver dialogue. It's like, oh, that's a choice, but it's a choice that makes my skin crawl. Why are you talking like that? Yeah, what's wrong? Are you on the spectrum? It's (laughs) like you don't understand the words that you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And I think, you know, so I actually think that he's quite a, a subtle and nuanced actor. So, you know, when you're in the Total Recall Remake, mm. uh, you know, and it's all just CG pixels flying. You know, it, it, I think it just it gets washed out. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know much about him as an actor or as a human being, but my assumption is, um, from his body of work, is that he really enjoys the little movies. Yeah, and then just once every few years, just goes, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I've give got me, some give bills. Me, give me ten million dollars, sure. Yeah, and I'll just show up. Yeah, because it does feel like he's just showing up for those bigger movies. Yeah. I was talking about this with uh, Adam Richard this morning. Mm. Uh, he said, uh, what's the the what's the movie Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks and uh, Emma oh, the, Thompson? The, yeah, Saving Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks. And, the Mary uh, Poppins movie. Yeah, uh, Adam said that that's actually, I haven't seen it. He said it's quite a good movie. And mm. he said that Colin Farrell's the best thing in that. So, and that's a, that. Yeah, so that's a bigger budget film. Yeah, but right. he's... But I guess it probably subject-wise is a smaller film in some ways. And mm. Adam was saying in his uh, uh, opinion that, you know, you've got Hanks and Thompson and Colin Farrell's fucking the best in it. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I said to you before, I've already shot my load on one of my jokes, Ben, but uh, it didn't take long <laughs> to transform from a gentleman who was grateful for being saved to an Irish backpacker visiting Australia in his early 20s. I was very happy about that. Also, guess what he did in his early 20s? Backpacked around Australia, so he knows what he's doing. Um, have you, maybe, maybe it's a bit uh, blue to talk about, but have you, you know how everyone had their sex tape in the early 2000s? Who did? Everyone. Oh, like, yeah. Well, not yeah. everyone, but, yeah. you know, there were a lot of sex. Have you ever seen the Colin Farrell sex tape? No. Oh, it's... <laughs> well, well, hang on. Before I watch it, what's the budget? Oh. <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's big budget, I'm not interested. But it's, it's like a small Cloverfield budget. Handicam. Oh, you yeah, know, I'll check that out. Yeah. <laughs> Is it good? Uh, Oh, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It's from the perspective of a woman who is um, being pleasured. Right. Uh, and so she, this is directed she's by the... Copler as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's holding the camera and he's um, going down on her. Goodness. And then he comes up, yeah. looks down the barrel of the camera with the biggest like deranged wolfman grin on his face and right. just goes, that's breakfast, lunch and dinner right fucking there. <laughs> well, hasn't this podcast taken a turn? <laughs> What a! <laughs> Come on, you're talking about Irish backpackers. That's no, 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 no. I'm not. Hey, I do not have a problem with you, Brett. No, I'm. I'm. Hey, I'm just going to put this out here right now. I am wrapped that you brought up that story. 
I just was not expecting it. Wow. I saw that 10 years ago and I think about it at least once a month and just lose my mind laughing. He's just so happy to be there. Oh, yeah. And he's had, he's had three meals. <laughs> That's what on the rewatch of the Beguiled towards the middle of the movie. That's what I could think about. Oh my like, oh, God. there's certain things you can't unsee. Wow. <laughs> a, how funny is sex? Like, yeah, if you if, if nobody thinks that sex is funny, like, well, no, I can understand how you might not, but you know, like overall, sex is yeah, kind of, of funny, and other people's sex is funny. Yeah, like. You ever think, oh god, if someone saw me having sex, it would be fucking hilarious. I oh. think people would either be vomiting or they'd be in hysterics. Oh, and imagine if I was doing it with someone else. But the uh... <laughs> have you ever caught your reflection in a wardrobe mirror or something? Oh, yeah, and it's like, no, oh, mate, this is mate, not mate, good. You know what? Like, like a staffy humping he, a leg. Here's a little information you need to know about <sighs> me. I never have sex with my glasses on, just in case. <laughs> I've never seen anything. Oh, God. God, what's going on with that amorphous blob in the reflection? <laughs> oh, no, it's me. All ruddy. Oh, this is no. Awful. Oh, he's crying again. <laughs> you know, that line works because it's Colin Farrell and he's Irish, but could you imagine being Australian? Mate, that's breakfast, that's lunch, and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It's oh just, my god! Yeah, it's so it's so like it's so laddish, but it's so fucking charming at the same time. The luck of the Irish, it's fucking hysterical. Wow, Colin Farrell. <laughs> you know, um, if I ever met him, uh, it would be so hard now not to just try. If we, if for some bizarre reason you, me, and Colin Farrell were in a bar, I would have to at some point while we were having a good time say, "Hey, have you eaten today? Have you had breakfast, lunch, or dinner?" And then watch you. Uh, pop every kidney in your body as you try not to give away what I'm doing. I feel like, again, I don't know anything about the guy, but I feel like he would have a good sense of humour about that. Oh, yeah, I can't believe it got out. Anyway, <laughs> terrible accent. Anyway, whatever. That is... So, I did have a question off the back of that, but I feel like uh, maybe we'll have to do the... <laughs> have to do a spin-off podcast. Um, Sex tapes of the rich and famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that should be our next, uh, our next yeah, lot. Yeah. We're going to go through all of them. Um, <laughs> Rob Lowe was the, was the one he who was kicked one of the, it off. The originator, yeah. right? Yeah, good work, Rob Lowe. Get in, get in early. Oh, mate. yeah, but that was the problem. Back when he did it, he got in trouble for it. Yeah. Now, now you know, mid-2000s, it was like, you know. Now I'm thinking of releasing a whole set, you know, <laughs> like do anything for content. <laughs> It's all about content, baby. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then and then put it up on YouTube and then get devastated when hardly anyone's yeah. watching and there's more dislikes than likes. Oh, no, my self-esteem. Why Minus 10 this? views. <laughs> um, so what moment in this movie mm. do you think his character changes from one who is just wanting to survive mm. to a guy who suddenly goes, oh, I reckon I can probably manipulate this situation? I don't think he ever changes from a guy that wants to survive. Right. I think those two things exist simultaneously in him. I don't... And this is this is an interesting thing. Like, I don't think that he's... I think he's a weak guy. And I think that he's a guy well, who is... He, he's come over, immediately just taken the first lot of money that comes his way to go to war in place of someone else. Yeah. Gets into a situation which is obviously fucking scary. Mm-hmm. 
buries himself yep. and then runs away. Runs away. And then, uh, you know, he finds himself, you know, it's almost like a mirage. He wakes up and he's surrounded by all these women. Uh, and I think that at some point his penis does more thinking than his head does. Mm. Uh, and so when I say he's weak, I mean in terms of just surrendering to his more primal instincts. But I still think that that is still under the umbrella of his doing what he feels he needs to do to survive. Yeah. Because he's, you know, I think there's a moment where he realises he might be put out at the gate yeah. for the next passing army yes. to pick up. So in his brain, you know, it's, uh, well, look, if I can you know, seduce one of these women and maybe get involved in a relationship, then then less inclined to give me up. Uh, I'm not saying that there's any nobility to what no, he's doing. No, no. I'm not saying he's a great guy. I don't think he's an evil guy. I think yeah. he's doing what he feels he has to do in that situation. There is a point, obviously, when, he's, <laughs> when he sneaks into Elle Fanning's bedroom when he's already arranged to hook up with Kirsten Dunst, oh. where it's like, okay, buddy, Come like, on, now, you, now, you've let, now your dick really is just, yeah. out, you're out of control. Uh, and I think in that moment, again, I don't think it's... Uh, it's hard to say, because obviously he's being a fucking cock. He's being a shithead. But... I don't know. It feels like in this movie, most people are doing what they have to do to survive. All Like all the characters. Yes. I say this without... I don't want this to be misinterpreted as mm. making excuses for yeah. him. Yeah. But throughout the movie, the women do present themselves in their own way yeah. to him. Whether it is just bringing presents, yes. you know, bringing... Uh, the Bible to read to keep himself going, uh, connecting to coming in and stealing the kiss. Like, it's not like he... He doesn't really do anything to begin with because he's just there. And it's this magnetic masculine presence that is drawing all these women in who have not been around anything like that for who knows how long. And and he probably hasn't been around women for a very long time. So there is a raw very organic and natural sexuality between but you know he's very he is participating in it all he is every person that he seduces and he's not seducing them all sexually no you know when he talks to the little girl he you know you're my best friend here you're the first don't tell my best friend don't tell anyone yeah yeah. you're the first one I met you're my best friend you're my best friend yeah and that's you know exactly what you would say to a kid to get a kid on side but then when he's talking to you know the older people you know like with the Elle Fanning character who's probably what 1920 it's much so. more of a kind of raw, like, oh, we're ripping our clothes off because we just want to fuck. Whereas yeah. with Kirsten Dunst, it's like, no, I'm going to take you away and I'm going to marry yes. you. I'm going to take you away from this place. And then with Nicole Kidman, it's a much more it's, it's, staid, respectful... And it's adult company. And, yes. Like, she hasn't had adult company right. in such a long time. Yeah. And they, you know, she invites him for a drink yeah. when everyone goes just to have adult conversation. Have an adult and concept. he does yeah. treat her respectfully, yeah, yeah. but he's also... Wanting to stay on her good side because yep. he does not want to go yep. back out there. Again, he's he is being who he feels he has to be with each individual person, and it's still the same guy. Yeah, but it's just a slightly, you know, his 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 focus is on whoever he's talking on, and he's saying what he has to say to make whoever he's speaking to feel as though they're the only ones that are being seen. Yes, yes, and such a good point. Also, was literally. The next question that yeah. I had for you, I, I had it here that he's like Loki discarded from Asgard, shape-shifting <laughs> to appeal yeah. to each woman. Yep. And uh, the, the Fanning stuff is really interesting because the first time we see her, she is obviously bored mm-hmm. and going through changes with no outlet. Yep. 
and being treated like the younger kids, but she's not old enough to be a teacher like a dunce character, yeah. you know. And she's a fascinating read because when he turns up, she's one of the ones who cheers. She's also one of the ones who is the most, ugh, yuck, what's that? Get him out. What's he doing here? Mm-hmm. But that's almost like part of the reason that she's, what's going on with him? Yeah. This is a man. I'm going through these changes. Yeah. And, you know, that push and pull is so fascinating. Well, there is a, there is a change that happens in all adolescents. You know, that, that turn from, uh, ew, to, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, the way they all subtly just start changing mildly with their clothing. Yeah. They just suddenly... Dressing up. Just a little bit, little yeah. thing here, little yeah, thing yeah, there. Yeah. Do you reckon he has an end game in mind of no. what he's going to do? No, I don't think, think so either. I was going to say, it feels like he's overwhelmed with options and he's yeah. just trying to go with whatever's given to him yeah. in each moment. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what I mean when I say he's doing what he has to do to survive in that moment. That's not a... Uh, I, that's not giving him any kind of pass no. or anything or justify, you know. No, it's I, stating what's happening. It's just stating what's happening. He's in a fucking crazy situation. You know, his leg's been half blown off. He's at the mercy of people that he's never met before. Yeah. And so in his mind, he's like, well, I can see that there is a contingent of this household that is just by nature of me being the first man that they've seen in a very long time attracted to me. So... I'm going to use that to my benefit. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a moral um, conundrum in there. That's what I mean. When I watch this movie, every time I watch it, 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 to me, it is a collection of people doing what they have to do to get through a situation. Yeah. Down to killing him at the end. Yeah. You know, they take no pleasure in it. Yeah. But they got to do it. He's fucking turned into Jack Nicholson from The Shining. He's got to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got to go. Uh, so my mum's a massive uh, Farrell fan. She'd never seen The Beguiled. Mm. And uh, so because I'd rented it, I texted her and said, hey, it's still there. So why don't yeah. you watch it? And yeah. When we chatted afterwards, she was like, you know, she, she thinks he's an excellent actor. She was like, man, when he got angry, mm. I, to be honest, I thought he was going to get angry. She's seen the Clint Eastwood version. And uh, she said, I knew he's going to get angry, but I didn't think it was going to be he's like scary. that. He's really scary. He's scary. He's scariest when you can't even see him, when you can hear yeah. him in the room. Just oh, <laughs> like a beast. Yeah. Oh, such a, like, the id just fucking exploding yeah. out of him. It's so but again, it's like, you know, you, 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 it's not to give him a pass, mm. but you understand yeah. he's woken up and his fucking leg's gone. Yeah. You know, there's kind of like a misery you know, oh, type, yeah. type tone to this situation now. You didn't even let me write the <laughs> <Yeah>. next sequel. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to him. Uh, we've already talked about uh, Fanning's character. Alicia feels like the uh, Kirsten uh, Dunst role would have played if she were younger. Hmm. I feel like these two characters relate to each other, where they feel they could be like the older and younger version of the same woman. And uh, what did you think of Fanning after her role in Somewhere, where she was so delightful yeah. and so sweet and there's not to say that she's not likable yeah. in this but it's a real you're like you can see the years are passed and there's a new maturity to it yeah can't yeah, you? yeah i actually had the reverse experience with fanning because the first film i ever saw her in was um the neon demon right i don't know if you've seen that movie no. uh but the whole concept of the movie is that she's 
you know, the most beautiful model in LA. Right. And so it's a very sexual role yeah. and, you know, it's a Nicholas Winding Refn movie. Yeah. So it's all blue lights, red lights yeah. and weird fucking um, synth soundtracks. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was the first time I ever saw her. And then, so it was more jarring when I went back to watch somewhere. It was like, oh, oh. <laughs> like yeah. she's not that. She, yes. well, she is, you know, she's all things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was that, that was the jarring thing. So that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little girl once. Yeah, it's like when you go back and you see Leonardo DiCaprio as a yeah. young boy, and you go, "Oh, that's yeah. right, you were, that's that, you were that kid." Yeah, that's so funny. Puffy little face. Also, uh, Nicole Kidman. I think personally, I think she gets a bad rap. I yeah, think she's, she's a really great. good actor. She's great, and I think she is fucking pitch perfect in this. Well, I think this role is very suited to her. You know, every actor has a thing that they can do very well naturally. You know, I think Nicole Kidman has a great ability to convey kind of clipped, officious coldness. Mm. And this role has it. You know, but there is, again, as with all the characters, uh, just under the surface. Yeah. Kind of a roiling desperation. Yeah. It's very good. I I personally think she gets the funniest moment in the movie with the, you know, Bring me the anatomy book. <laughs> you go, oh no, holy shit! Yeah. And the and the and the way she delivers it and the edit, really, really funny. But yeah. uh, I I love the scene when uh, Dunt's character has gone off and she's with the girls and she's trying to calm the girls mm-hmm. and she's trying to keep control of the situation yeah. and she's also trying to think through. Mm what the fuck they are going to do and you in that scene and it's literally her sitting on a lounge Mm. and you see all of that going on in her head you can see it and then that beautiful moment when that little girl says oh he likes mushrooms and Mm. it's like the look on her face and the dawning realization and that amazing depiction of you know which i i often think is probably the true marker of adulthood the and it's not done with words, but that moment where it's like, you are as terrified as everyone else. You are out of your mind with fear. And yet you realize you are the only one that can't surrender to the fear. You have yeah. to, you are the one that yeah. has to sort this fucking situation out. Yeah. And that, you know, obviously I've never been in a, in a, in a civil war home with a raging maniac running around, but I've definitely been in equivalent types of psychic situations where it's like I'm out of my mind I'm out of my depth but yep. I'm the adult in the room and I gotta fucking is that with certain conspiracy theorists comedians backstage <laughs> at the comedy store and you're thinking man I just want to go on stage and do my 10 I'm minutes into and go a home <laughs> you're ranting about building 7 Jesus <laughs> you know jet fuel can't melt steel uh, okay. yeah, right, I didn't realise you were a fucking engineer shut up yeah okay mate <laughs> yeah that is such a great scene and she's fantastic all the way through it even you know, she's so clipped and then the gradual warming yep. to him and then, you know, the moment where they're just almost... She's almost seduced. Mm-hmm. But I don't. she doesn't really do anything and he doesn't really do anything. They just find themselves in that close proximity. Mm. And it's... Yeah, I think she's fantastic yeah, she's in great. this. Yeah. Um, I love the way that John goes about the gardening and his mere presence is like a black hole, the way it draws in the heavenly creatures into his orbit. <laughs> they gaze longingly from a window or wave from afar as they rush past. Yeah. This actually looks like it could have been a pretty great life if he kept his pants on. 100%. Like, mate. Yeah. So is is that what Copler is saying with these scenes? What, what, what do you think she's getting at with these moments? Is it just... It's not just that his presence is attracting the women. It is sort of showing that 
he could be on a good wicket, right? Yeah, and I think it's also showing um, probably something very true, you yeah. know, in the sense that, you know, I don't know many heterosexual men placed in that situation where they're, you know, being eyed by a bunch of beautiful women yeah. who wouldn't... Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love it. And his brains wouldn't yeah. get a bit foggy yeah. and a bit overwhelmed with options. Yeah. I mean, you know, we see this in the modern dating world. You know, people talk about, you know, option paralysis on Tinder. Right. You know, if people are freaking out with that, you know, like, oh, my God, I've got four people in my inbox that sent me messages and who do I go? Of course, in this situation, you haven't seen a member of the opposite sex for years. Your yeah. fucking legs gangrenous. You know, suddenly everyone's looking after you. Yeah. And in those scenes, he, he is actually working hard. Yeah. Like, he is trying to earn his yeah, keep, yeah. which is, once again, part of what I loved about this film was it's not making him to be, like, he's the big bad wolf, but mm. he's also, but it's it's kind of, he is the big bad wolf. Like, it's the, in, he's ruled yeah. by instinct. He, but, you know. But, but again, I don't know if bad is like, you know, if he was on a hammock with a mint julep and they're all, you know, digging the fields around him and he was yeah. just kind of laughing it up. Like, th- this is what I mean. It's a very... There's a, there's, a, there's a humanity to this depiction and I think this is a thread that runs through all of her films in that you might not... You might have some kind of moral quandary with how this character or that character is behaving but there is always a path of logic and there is always, like, a truth to what's happening, mm. you know? Like, sure, he's... He's definitely there is an exploitation in this situation mm. and he's aware that he is on a racket. Yeah. But I think anyone who says that they see no path of logic to that is being very disingenuous. Yes. I think you'd be very disingenuous to watch this movie and go, I don't understand why he behaved like that at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, come yeah. on. All right, mate. <laughs> yeah, because what you would have done, mate, is you yeah. would have gone up every morning, done 500 push-ups just to get it yeah, out of your yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd feel much more um, comfortable with this situation if you would turn me over to the authorities immediately. Yes. No, no, no. No, 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 no. What are you talking yeah. about, mate? And he does have a level of genuine empathy to him because yeah. that's how he's able to read each girl mm. perfectly. Yeah. Now, he he's then manipulative, but yeah. it's also, as you said, from a place of fear yeah. and, you know, probably just being a bit of a shit bloke at the same time. You know, yeah. like, you know, often, often the bad things that happen in even... Small relationships, like I, like small bad things. I don't mean big bad things, but even small bad things are just done by good people who end yeah. up confused or end up in, you know, quandaries that they don't think their way through, yeah, or they yeah, just yeah. make a mistake in the moment. In and, a moment of weakness, or yeah. you know, uh, yeah. And I think that is a much more interesting thing to explore than just outright evil. Yeah. This movie would be a lot less interesting if he was, you know barging into their rooms yes. in the middle of the night and having his way and doing whatever he wants and, you know, they're all cowering in fear from the first moment he arrives yeah. and it's a weird hostage situation. You know, it, it would be a much less nuanced and interesting film if you could just easily and categorically go, bad man, yeah. bad guy, bad man, burn in hell. You know, they're, What a they're, boring film. What a boring film. And there has to be a moment as the audience when they make that decision at the end to kill him yeah. where you're as the viewer participating in the moral quandary of this, like understanding that it's probably necessary. Yeah. 
you know, old yellers fucking got rabies and probably right. needs to be taken out. But <clears throat> at the same time, it's complicated. It's really complicated. It's complicated. Well, it's this is. Uh, I, I had this question a bit later, but I'll throw. Uh, we'll get to this other question later. We'll, mm. But I have something on that, which uh, the complication of that scene, mm. which is really fascinating yep. to have a chat about. Um, so the so after chatting with mum and the research that I did, my mum is not a Clint Eastwood fan by any stretch mm. of the means, but she was curious about this film and that's why she'd seen it. Mm. And so the original film, and I was going to try and watch it, I was going to try and do a Zack Snyder thing, but things have been a bit too busy. Yeah. I was going to watch that one and then watch this one, but yeah. just didn't have time. But the original film with Clint Eastwood came out in the early 70s, 1971, around the time women were fighting, and this is important to take into account, women were fighting for equal rights, especially in the workplace, and there was an increase in birth control methods that opened up the door for more sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. And the director, Don Siegel, said the original movie's driving theme was the basic desire of women to castrate men. Whoa. That's what he said. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hello, Don. Uh, these are your issues calling. Um, what's happening, mate? What's happening? Yeah. Yet in this, it is, it is literally a woman saving a man's life even though he has behaved poorly. But the reason he's in this situation is because of him. And isn't this only considered a form of castration because this is how he chooses to see it rather than an opportunity to keep living? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think compassion runs through all of the actions of the women in this towards him. Oh. You know, probably including the final decision in the end. Right. You know, it seems to be a trolley problem at the end. Right. Where it's like, she doesn't want to kill a guy. No. But she's got the safety of her girls to think of. Yeah. You know, and so there is an element of compassion and grace within that decision even. You yeah. know, it's not like a coven of witches going... <laughs> well, there, there is... Um, <laughs> that's that's the, the poorly made version yeah. of this movie, you know, isn't uh, it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we finally got him, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. pretties. Yeah, yeah. But there is compassion and there is grace amongst all of them because yeah. even after he has put himself in this situation and they've had to do it, mm. even though the thunk of dropping the leg in the grave that they've dug for it is funny. like They bury the leg. Yeah, they, and they wrap it in linen and yeah. it's kind of like for the briefest of moments when I saw that scene, I was like, fuck, did he just die? Mm. And then I realised it was just the leg. <laughs> but it was... But th- th- they treat that part of him with respect. Yeah, well, even the way they wrap his body in the end. You know, they like... roll him into a grave. I would have thought it was castration if the next scene you just seen Kidman on the balcony just hurling the leg off in, like, <laughs> Lorena Bobbitt style, you know? With his nuts in the other hand. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I took your leg because it was gangrene. I took your nuts because you're an asshole. <laughs> but, yeah, it's so funny. It, it, it is literally done to save his life mm. after his poor behaviour. Yeah. And funnily enough... If he had, like, not his initial reaction, of course his initial reaction is going to be what it is. Mm. But if he had found a moment to level out, mm. this movie plays out in a different way because then, man, I reckon those women start turning on each other. Well, you seduced him. Well, you, he yeah, was not right. interested in you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 but yeah. because he explodes with this primal rage galvanises the majority of them yeah and you know it still seduces dunce but it's not 
I don't think it's him seducing her. It's the promise of something else. As I say, people are doing what they need to do. She needs to get out of there and this is the way out. Yeah. And it might not be the safest or the best way out, but it's a way out. Yeah. Do you think that he is on the verge of levelling out when he arrives at dinner just before they poison him. Do you know how he comes in and he yes, says, I apologise? So, uh, I don't know where it is. So, if I start, when I get to this question, I will uh, remind me to jump over if I forget. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, he, so, okay, hang on. I will get to that. But let's get into this question because I love the shot of the home from afar as he rages. Mm. He sounds like a wounded beast trapped in the room. Mm. There is a moment where, just for a while, this movie segues into being a horror movie. Yep. And I wonder if it is actually a horror movie in some ways right from the start because of the fable nature of it. Yeah. And also, often good horror movies take their time yeah. and be are funny. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, yeah. it is kind of like, yeah. this could be, if someone said, oh, that's her horror movie, I would say, oh, yeah, no, I can see that yeah. as a flavour because yeah. there's so much going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And... Um, so, anyway, I'm going to try and work out where this... Uh, I'm going to try and remember this question. So, it, so he, he rails mm. that he's been castrated mm. and he's, a, he's an animal and he's, he's so angry he, and, he's, and he's so nasty, you know, like he, he says to each one of them, you know, well, you're just upset because I rejected you, you know, that's why you castrated me and mm. he keeps banging on about that. Does he, I can't remember. Does he actually say castrated? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. And he's waving the gun around and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, yeah. you made me less of a man, all that kind of bullshit. And then as soon as he has sex... Yeah. Oh no! Guess what? I'm not castrated. I'm yeah. just, I just probably lent to the left a little bit during sex, <laughs> and it's an awful, it's an awful sex scene, mm. and it is once again, it's it's Dunce giving over to the the promise of a new life, mm. and he's just, it's, it's not. It's not against her will, mm. but it's not nice. No, and it's um, well. There's an a, there's a, there's a, there's an animal intensity to it. Yes, <laughs> and then once he gets that out, then the next thing, like they're sleeping very nicely together. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I so that is a very long winded way of getting back to your initial question, which is I reckon he is. I reckon he is leveling out. Yeah, and I reckon he is. Well, he's got her now, yeah. and now they'll just leave, and they will take whatever they want, and they will go. Yeah. I don't think he has any plans to stay really? there. I, I feel like he's, you know, he'll he'll stay long enough to, you know, yeah. I was about to say get back on his foot. But um, <laughs> but I reckon, you know, we'll we'll get our shit together. Yeah, we'll get our supplies. Yeah, and then we're going. Right. So then, what 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 do you then think about the the killing of him? Well, I think part of so so what's fascinating to me is that hmm. there is a moment where it's like, fuck, are they going to let Dunst eat the mushrooms? Yeah. Like, are they going to give her up to save themselves? Yeah. And what I love is that there is that moment where they remind her, oh, you don't eat mushrooms. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I don't. And so the the connection between those women mm. is never broken. Mm. It's fractured, but it's never broken. And so by saving her from eating the mushrooms... And by killing him, mm. they're also still saving her. Now, I mm. know that she wants something else, but I reckon there's a chance for something else by staying there, and he is not the person to go with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, fascinating. Because if he's, if he's all about survival, yeah. 
you know, if what happens when he meets someone else who has something better to offer, more money? Maybe he meets a doctor who has a beautiful wife, a daughter who can give him a prosthetic. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, he's, of course. He's he's because he's all about his own instinct. I reckon he will do what it takes to survive. Yeah, I reckon if she goes, like yeah. she is not like yes, it will be another life, and but it's not necessarily going to be better. Well, also, I mean, you know, uh, a person in that day and age with one leg, can he provide for her? Oh yeah, is he yeah. even going to be able to take care of her? You know, she she's not going to. You know, what is it, eighteen? Yeah, something or other. Yeah, she's not going to be able to be the breadwinner in that relationship. She's going to end up probably. Well, she's possibly going to end up in some awful job where she's working eighteen hours a day and yeah. giving him kids and yeah, yeah, yeah. looking after the kids while he's you know yeah you know stomping along. Yeah, I don't, I don't think prosthetics were great back then. I don't think yeah. there were many opportunities for uh, work for people with one leg. Yeah, in uh, America in the late eighteen sixties. It's her character is the one I have the most empathy for oh, yeah. in the whole movie, and she appears to be the most lost. You know, like Kidman knows her role, mm. and the other girls are on their way to adulthood, and will hopefully discover where they'll fit into the world. Yeah. And it makes sense after what occurs that she's still willing to roll the dice with him. Well, I think that's because she can see that the next step for her is to become Nicole Kidman. Right. She's the ne- she's on that conveyor belt. Yeah. She will be Nicole Kidman in another 10 years. Yeah. And maybe this is her last chance to avoid that reality. You know, uh, that's what, um, you can put your foot up. Oh. Sorry. No. <laughs> I, I just looked over because I, I heard a noise and then I realised that that yeah. my look was like, hey, fuck, mate. <laughs> Get fuck, your fucking feet off fuck, my respect furniture. Respect the fucking house, mate. Like, I don't mind you coming in here and telling me you're Colin Farrell's sex fucking tape stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And there's, you know, so there's this interesting... Uh, I've talked a little bit about this uh, on a, a previous Leftovers podcast, actually, but there is this interesting thing that I was introduced to a few years ago, and it is this kind of moment where uh, women in somewhere in their mid-30s will now and again, not all women, but some women, will reject the lives that they have, that there is nothing wrong with it. There is literally mm. nothing wrong with their life they want more and not more as in like oh I deserve more jewellery or that but there's got to be something else to life and you know I can't I can't be reduced to this role like I'm way too young to be stuck in this role Mm. for the for the rest of my life and uh, I've seen friends and I've seen friends of friends who have broken up with partners over nothing nothing particular that you can put your finger on and I feel like and it's a fascinating thing. I had a friend of mine uh, who listened to that Leftovers podcast and they uh, texted me saying, oh, you are so true. Uh, you know, my partner, you know, if he wasn't so flexible, because <laughs> he's kind of, he gets it, do you know mm. what I mean? And he's he, he's a really good partner and doesn't try to put her mm. in a box or anything. But now and again, when she has, hey, I need to go and do things, he's like, go and do it, babe. Yeah. I'll be here. Yeah. So good guy. Great. As I said. Uh, Sounds like a dream relationship. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's where Dunst is. She's in that. Yes. She's... Like she could have a life and kids and 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 do something other than teaching fucking kids how to perfect their cursive, cursive and writing. all of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely. All the girls 
uh, can't help but still be drawn to him, even though they're afraid of what he might do. That's fascinating as well. I, I, even after he has that moment of rage, which is awful, mm. each one still goes in and has one-on-one chats with him, which yeah, is course. fascinating. I, like, such great decision-making. Well, of course, again, because it's, you know, it's the nuance of her filmmaking. You know, yeah. in a lesser film, the rest of the film after he lost it would be them cowering in the corner, you know, high-angle shot to show how small and intimidated they've become. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a much more true reaction. Yeah. That they would still, there would still be this grim fascination with this situation. Uh, quick question: How did he get out of the room and find the gun? Does it really uh, matter? I know nah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, matter but no. there was just a little part of me that was like, <laughs> "Oh, did someone forget to lock the door?" Or well, yeah, I, I, well, at that point, I think it's just you know, it becomes a, a, a bit more of a subjective moment where it's yeah. like he has just become the monster in the house, yeah. you know, and doesn't you know he's we don't he, need to, we, we've know. seen the gun locked away, yeah, and, and he's gained some there. kind of power, yeah. you know, um, over over the entire household. Yeah, I found that question about the leg and the sex with Dunst's character tickety-boo hammo um <laughs> all the scenes of uh the is it i don't know if it's the same woman because they all dress the same so i don't know if it's the same uh woman or if it's all the women but anyway all the scenes of women looking through the telescope from the balcony for me represented different ideas about where the movie was at in the storyline so initially it is to make certain that they're still safe in their world then it feels like they're looking to make certain nobody comes in and finds their wounded soldier that they're looking after. Then it feels like, it, yeah. you know, it's to make certain nobody's going to come and take him away. Like, first, they don't want him to find him because they want him to get better. And then it's like, no, he's ours. Yeah. And then it's looking for help. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, it is up to the women to look after themselves. Yeah. And what we've talked about this a little bit, but I love that scene where they workshop their way through the plan to yeah. It's just so great. And I've also got here, were you worried for a moment they were going to sacrifice Dunst's character to rid themselves of John? Like, I had a real... Like, I didn't want her to die. But but in that scene, it's almost... And, you know, I might be projecting, but it's almost like there's a flicker of acknowledgement of what's about to happen from Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. You know, why else... Why would they say, hey, you don't like mushrooms, don't eat the mushrooms, like... Yeah, you know, I mean, short of kind of you know getting between her and the plate and going, no, don't eat them. Yeah, like they're they're, they're kind of flagging what's yeah. about to happen. Um, you know, and maybe she's just so whatever taken with the situation, loved up, and everything that she doesn't even notice. Yeah, but it seems to me uh, that there's not really a lot of subtlety in stopping her from going down that road. Right, which I find fascinating. So do you? Oh, that's okay. So you think that. In that moment, she knows something. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like it's it, it's so ham-fisted to just go. You don't like mushrooms. Don't eat them. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like there's. The, I, I, I'm not saying it is there, but I think yeah. it's an interesting thing to think about. Where you know, maybe again, you know, back to that theme of doing what one must do to survive. Yeah, there might be a part of her that's like, yeah, this situation is exciting, and my hormones are going crazy, and it seems like an exit strategy, but surely. Deeper down, she knows this is. How are we even going to get the fuck out of here? He's got uh, one leg. He's got no leg. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe in that moment, she's kind of like, well, you know, they're about to poison him, which gets me, you know, a clean exit out of this, frankly, you know, untenable situation. Yes. You know what I've just realized? Mm. So funny that you brought up the PTA 
Phantom the Thread. Phantom Thread came out yeah. the same year. Yeah. And mushrooms. Mushrooms are big. Mate, <laughs> this is the big Pixar, you know, Ants Live. Bugs <laughs> so funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, only a few more questions. How brilliant was the shot from Farrell's POV when he looks at Kidman and the women as he's watching him die? It's like a mm. tableau, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. And the way they're just looking yeah. at him. Yeah, which, once yeah. again, that shot feels like a, like a horror shot. But oh, also, it's... it's Funny. Oh, it's, it's like American Gothic. It's, yes. it's it's a real it's it, that that's that is a real horror shot, gothic horror shot. Yeah, and and just that kind of cold, you know, efficiency of all of their expressions. Just like we're just doing what we have to do. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah, we've uh, we've learned a lot from today, and mm. thank you for coming by. Yeah, and uh, tickety boo. Yeah, I would actually would have been happy if that was the final scene. Like if that had been the final scene and it mm. just finished on that. But the women in white taking the soldier outside the gates mm-hmm. look mythical too. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't lose that scene. Oh, and that final shot of the film is them behind the bars. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Yeah. Quick question. Mm. What was the first chat with Dunt's character after they killed Farrell? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would have been free of much emotion. Yeah. I just feel... Because, you know, we cut to them out the front of the house wrapping the body. Yeah. And, you know, she's, again, in a lesser movie, she would have been offset from the group, howling, screaming. She's not. No. She's very like, okay, this is what's happening now. I have a feeling also that it happens. She's probably in shock. She probably has, has a moment, has some time, and then... I'm guessing that while she's off having a moment, Kidman's character is saying to the rest of the girls, hey, we're not judging her. We're not having a crack. Yeah, that's right. When she comes back at her own pace, we will just continue as if nothing has happened. So let's clean up the house while this is happening and let's get rid of this stinky mushroom fucking infected body. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then she would have come down and realised what her situation was and would have just gone straight back into teacher mode and again it's never really stated but you know you just get the impression that it would be unseemly to make a scene yes yeah yeah (laughs) let's just you know come on yeah and that's what i mean that's what i was talking about earlier when i said if he kept his shit together Mm. i think he you know even even if he was even if he had come to his senses and realised that they had saved his life and had been really nice, like properly nice and accepting, even that decision would have sown discord amongst the girls. Yes. I think that would have been much worse for them because then yes. there would have been, oh, look how nice he is and look what you did. Oh, yeah, well, you're upset because blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Do you think that it, there's a scenario, a scenario where had he not gone into Elle Fanning's bedroom that night and then fallen down the stairs and all the rest, uh, that he could have existed as the gardener of the home, perhaps hooked up with Kirsten Dunst, do you think that he could have existed in that realm? Yeah. With you know, if he hadn't done all the philandering and all the you know dog shit behaviour, if he just kept his head together, do you think that there would have it would, that, that that would have created still created conflict? I think he could have. I think yeah. Good question. I think it's so funny to try and hypothesise where this goes. I think the moment. I'm fine with the you're my best friend, all that yeah. kind of stuff. 
I get that kind of part of it. Yeah. I think the moment that he promises, he, the first time he makes a promise, mm. which is to dance that we can get out of here and you're different to everyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the planting of the seed of his own downfall. Oh, what's the line? <laughs> I must say, my lady, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in all of my travels. Yeah. <laughs> you're the most beautiful woman I've seen since breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> I'm just going to be obsessed with this. I'm going to be obsessed with this. Dude, welcome to my reality. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to ring mum straight after this and tell her she loves Colin Farrell. And then I'll, when I'm back in Adelaide next week for her birthday and, uh, and she'll be saying, oh, I've got all these bugs on my computer. I'll go, well, oh, you've been trying to look up the Colin Farrell sex tape, you dirty old lady. Funny. Uh, yeah, and it's so, you know... I'm saying this from the perspective of a 48-year-old man who just wants life to be as straightforward yeah. as possible. I would have been wrapped just to be the gardener and had all this attention yep. and just been a little bit flirty and a little bit funny and a little bit playful. Yeah, and yeah. if anyone said, do you want to do anything? I go, oh, no, let's not ruin this. This yeah, is fucking yeah, totally. great. I'm having a really good time. Totally. I get I get mature chats with Nicole. I like Curzon's kind of more my age. You know, we've got some things going on. Yeah. I appreciate the attention from... Earl, but you are way too young and you kids are great. So, you know what? I'll just be here chopping down this tree for the next hour and a half to get any unwanted thoughts out of my head. I'm just going to be exhausted constantly. That's what I'm going to do. That's when you know you've officially reached middle age where the the hassle of sex is not worth the the release. (laughs) Why am I doing this? This is too much. Yeah, Yeah, But, you know, at the end of the war, they would have come back and it's like that that whole ground would have looked like like the Botanic Gardens. That's how hard I would have been working. Papyri animals everywhere. Yeah, and I'd I'd have a body like... um, I'd be like Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know that body where it looks like he's just moved furniture every weekend for the past 15 years? Yeah, yeah, okay, this has been great. You guys are back. I'm out of here. I'm gone. (laughs) Two more questions. Could this be a TV series? It could, but I prefer it as a 90-minute one and done. So do I. It's, I, just, I just don't think there's... It's, it's such an efficient film, mm. and it just gets on with it, mm. and it just... It's fascinating, because this movie could be four hours. It yes. could be. Yeah. It could be a yeah. real slow burn, yeah. and, you know, not much, that much more would have to happen. No. You just sit in the atmosphere of the place. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just love that it's a... You know, it it feels longer than a ninety minute movie in the best possible way. Yes, uh, it's, it's it's dense. It's dense. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I think that's I think that's in this day and age of you know, fucking you know Transformers has to be five hours or whatever because we need to know the psychic motivation of Optimus Prime or some garbage like that to have a movie that is so rich in character, nuanced to just be ninety minutes is yeah. bold. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Any. Final thoughts? Did I miss anything you wanted to discuss? No, man. I just, uh, I just love this movie. As I say, it's the third yeah. time I've watched it, yeah. uh, and uh, out of all of the ones, uh, I think it, uh, I think it's taken all of the stuff that we've loved of all yeah. the movies previous. The, uh, the weird, understated humour. The um, beautiful, just the beautiful Kubrick-esque cinematography, mm. and I think it says a lot of really complicated stuff about men and women yeah. and the way, you know, the, the, the different gazes, the way 
things can get complicated very, yeah. very quickly, despite everyone's best intentions. Yeah. You know, human frailty, human weakness. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I love this movie. I love that um, there's questionable behavior in the movie, but I never am thinking that anyone is a outright bad person. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. The... The only thing I would add to this film is I would, as I said earlier, I would make a three-movie spin-off of that young girl who then grows up to be like... She's like the uh, old-timey version of Harvey Keitel as the wolf in... <laughs> so, like, I'd, I'd have all these setups of things going horrible with a man and it's like, well, we're going to have to call in our girl and she comes in and she's had years of perfecting this mushroom dish that she's taking out arseholes left, right and centre. The, the beguilder. Uh, I've got some squid bits for you, some interesting stuff here. Sophia Coppola wasn't initially interested in producing a remake of a movie, but after watching the original 1971 version and the encouragement from production designer Anne Rose, she decided she could update the film, mainly telling the story from the woman's point of view rather than the man's point of view. I like I'm a little bit curious about the original but I feel so yeah, I'm not satisfied. Yeah, like fine. I, guess what? I I've seen heaps of movies from the man's seen perspective. Seen so many so many movies and also it's you know look if it was on if if it showed up all the time on those, you know, 100 best movies of all time lists sure yeah I'm, i'll go for it but it's not really no got a lot of other stuff to burn through yeah uh she wanted to make a more optimistic movie after the bling ring stating she wanted to cleanse herself from what she termed that tacky ugly world mm-hmm. i would agree with that i agree with that and how funny to think that this is the optimistic <laughs> movie you know but it's yeah, yeah. no but it is but it is yeah it is yeah it's an optimistic comedy horror film yeah that's a period piece that's about modern mores. Oh, how did she do it? It's so good. <laughs> oh, and, and this character motivation beyond that handbag is awesome. Yeah. I want that. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I really enjoyed the bling ring. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was really funny and had a really good time watching it, mm. but it is... Uh, you know what we should do? Yeah. Let's leave this part of the chat and for the final one, sure. write a list of your... Put them in order. Sure. And then I'll put them in order and we'll sure. reveal them at the end of that right. uh, movie. So right. that'll be fun. Yep. Uh, Coppola won the Best Director Award at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival, making her the second woman to ever win in that category 56 years after the first female director won. Uh, there's a fascinating criticism of whitewashing in this film. In the original 1966 novel, there was an enslaved black woman as a supporting character who was removed from the film. I'm guessing she must be in the 1971 film as well. Mm. And the biracial character was cast as Cursed and Dunst. Coppola said she made the changes so as not to brush over such an important topic in a light way mm. and that young girls watch my films and this was not the depiction of an African-American character I would want to show them. And... Like, you know, personally, so it's funny. I read this on the same day where I read uh, Kevin Feige had, or Feige mm. has said that they made a complete mistake mm. in having Tilda Swinton play the ancient one oh, yes. in Doctor Strange. Yep. But that is one of those things where I can see why they say that. And I'm not saying, I'm not even disagreeing with it, mm. but I also understand that they went well that character is problematic we should let's change it yeah. and we'll make it a woman and then that turned out to be problematic because i guess they should have 
hired a Chinese female actress, yeah. I guess, yeah. you know. Yeah. So with the story she's trying to tell here, yeah. I'm not saying that's an unfair criticism, but I understand her decision-making where she's trying to make a taut story yeah. that tells one tale yeah. and to then bring in uh, that element that's... I think that's a slightly different film. Yeah, and it's... In, in a, it, I mean, there is one character in this film, one of the young girls, who I don't think gets one line in the whole movie. She's in there. Right. There's a, there's a third young girl. Uh, there's the there's the little girl that finds Colin Farrell. There's the little girl who um, suggests poisoning. And then there's another girl. Emily. Uh, yeah, and and it's and it's so glaring that she doesn't get a moment that I'm honestly sitting in the movie going, why is this little girl even in the film? Right, there's no room for this character. Yeah, um, I feel as though if there was the um, African American housekeeper, it would it that character would be relegated to the background, which in turn would not be in service of any kind of. Um, nuanced point being made about slavery in the South during that time. Yeah, and and, uh, and, and that's and, and that's, maybe that would be end up being more detrimental than just not having the character at all. Look, to, yeah. So it's a little bit of a situation of damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't. Yeah. And also, isn't there something like I know I'm coming at it from because I've loved the film and I've loved all of these films, so I'm coming at it from a mildly more defensive side on Copla, but isn't there something to be said for I'm really confused about this isn't there something to be said for not knowing exactly how to do something so therefore maybe you shouldn't do it I think when it's something uh, really, really, really charged and yeah. that, um, yeah, I, I, I think that. I think yeah. I think <laughs> I'm of the camp that a lot of white people should just maybe shut the fuck up and yeah. not really get involved in conversations right. that they don't know a lot about. Right. Uh, and best to just kind of cede control of that conversation to people that do know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I that's agree. Kind of, you know. So um, I, it's damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't in this yeah. situation. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the original movie has a weird flashback scene as Martha, which is Kidman's character, you know how she has the runaway brother in this? She had an incestuous relationship with her runaway brother. Right. And, and she also has a wine-induced dream in which she finds herself in bed with John and Dunst's character. Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's, this movie really is made through the male gaze. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? Um. There's also a line in the original where <laughs> I put this in just because I think it'll make you laugh. Yeah. There's a line in the original where after Eastwood's character has arrived and it is noted the hens finally laid some eggs, you know. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? I, God. I much prefer Kidman just looking around at uh, all of the girls and going, oh, look at your clothes and your yeah. accessories and yeah. the way they dress up. So, by the way, how hypnotic is that scene where he's sitting there and they all play music for him yeah. and then they all just... They do the, the way it's shot. It's so beautiful. It's so mm. soft, mm. and it, it does look like a like a vision, doesn't it? No, oh, it's, it's like yeah. total Barry Lyndon stuff. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. I have to watch that film. Oh man! I went to so things have been really busy, and the thing that the main reason that I didn't watch this was because I just I honestly just don't have that yeah, amount of, of time. Yeah. Uh, but is that one of those films that I should wait until it's yes. on the big screen? Right. Yes. Okay. 100%. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Because I've told you before, my 
biggest regret on watching the movie uh, Roma is watching it on my TV oh, for the first time. No. Yeah. no, no, no. It was one of the first times that, you know, it was there and, you know, it was one of the first big releases and I watched it and I I loved it. But I had two moments where I went and got a sandwich and I went and no. well, I stopped it but and then I took no. a phone call because it came through and I really just wish I'd sat in the cinema. The soundscape in Roma is beyond anything and I felt like you had to be hermetically sealed. Yeah. There's certain films, you know, uh, Lawrence of Arabia is another yeah. one, you know. Like you can watch them once you've seen them but you've yeah. got to see them. Like, yeah. I, like, the first, like Lawrence right. of Arabia on the big screen. Is, oh, it's just unbelievable Unbelievable. and that's the thing like I I saw Barry Lyndon for the first time at the cinema and it is you talk about a glacial movie it Mm. is very slow because the whole concept is it's you're supposed to feel like you're an art gallery looking at 17th century paintings and it's just three hours of locked off shots of people barely moving Uh, and so you know it felt like homework the first time at the cinema and then I watched it on my projector at home uh, a, a couple of years later and was just like frothing at how much I was loving it uh, but had I watched it at home the first time I probably would have turned it off yeah you know I had yeah. to see it in that the way it's meant to be seen yes Roma's the same um, yeah The Irishman Irishman uh, yeah there's a lot of a lot of films like that I would have watched The Irishman like a miniseries if I'd watched yeah. it at home but sitting there for that whole thing the only thing that the only thing about the runtime of that film that hurt me was the fact that they did fucking 20 minutes of trailers. It's like, mate, it's a three-hour yeah, film. Yeah, let's go. We're here. Let's get on yeah, with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck. <laughs> like, if they had if they had not done 20 minutes of trailers, yeah. like, mate, no one who's coming to see The Irishman at the cinema doesn't understand that there might be some other fucking movies they want to see. <laughs> Dude, I went and saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy, so it was 12 hours worth of movies at the Orpheum in a day, and they did the same thing. 20 minutes of trailers. Like, come here. on, Matt, we're here. We're here. Let's go. Like... <laughs> One trailer. One trailer yeah. at best. Yeah. The one that you want to sell tickets to that you think the people who like this film will like that yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, the scene where Kidman sponges Farrell took two hours because the afternoon light kept affecting the cinematography. Mm. God, wouldn't you be wrapped to be fucking paid to be <laughs> sponged for two hours? <laughs> like, you know, there must have been nice conversations with Kidman in between. Well, they worked on a movie very shortly after this together. Uh, so I think they've... Uh it was uh, began filming this movie only a few weeks after they finished making the killing, killing of a sacred, sacred deer. deer. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you know there must have been times where they said, "What do you reckon that film was like?" Anyway, <laughs> uh, the character in the original book is also from Dublin, so that yeah. was handy. I think they wanted him to change his accent, and he kind of said, "Let's just make him from Dublin," which is perfect, perfect because he's so much more seductive yeah. with his fucking beautiful brown eyes and his yeah. gorgeous lilting voice and that sponged body. How old is he now? 43, 44, Fuck. something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Looks great. Boo. Unbelievable. Yeah, we all look great, mate. Fucking hell. Jesus. Uh, the aspect ratio Coppola shot in, which is 1.66 to 1, was to induce a sense of claustrophobia. Mm. I think that's how you read it out. Movie was shot in 26 days. That's interesting. Yeah, well. The cast had lessons from a sewing teacher, a dancing teacher. They took etiquette lessons, corset training lessons, and ate meals together. A Civil War reenacted demonstrated how to dress wounds, and a priest explained prayers from the Book of Matthew. So there was a lot going on. Mm. Coppola suggested, this is interesting, that Kirsten Dunst lose weight for her part, but she refused, stating her disdain for workouts and had already been through an intense diet for a previous movie, would shock that's interesting yeah. uh copla had kidman in mind when writing her character and this might be one of my favorite kidman performances Absolutely. so yep. good yep. 
Um, according to Dunst, her character was a virgin before that sex scene. Yeah, I kind of was wondering that while I was watching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, Anjuri, uh, Anguri, I hope I'm, Anjuri Rice was legitimately afraid of Farrell during his dark scenes. And the only way she could snap out of it was recalling a conversation that they'd had about granola bars. <laughs> So she had to keep going to this granola bar conversation because she found that. And I, I, as I said, uh, that moment is so intense. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're a young girl. It'd be like, fuck, I just remember he's not that guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, men are awful all around the world, but he's just acting. Oh, we granola bars, granola bars, granola bars. And this might be my favourite squid pit of anything Great. I have found for you. Let's and go. how I did not call you immediately <laughs> is like I, you know what props to me props this, to you this Hamlet. is strength of character <laughs> and I don't know by the way I'm about to read something out to you that maybe someone has put in as <laughs> a fucking joke yeah but it appears to be from what I've found to be serious yep alright I promise you this is not April 1st a video game was commissioned, but has been in development hell since the film's release. The aim of the game was to keep jealousy meters down in the girls. <laughs> wow. Okay, yep. <laughs> to keep jealousy meters down in the girls, if too many were high, your character, Corporal John McBurney, would have body parts removed. <laughs> when you lose at least five... Three on the hardcore difficulty body parts. The game would start over again. Wow! And what is the point of the game? Just to survive in the hell? How do you keep the jealousy meters down? Oh, mate, I haven't played. I the want game. to play this game. I want to play this game. <laughs> wow, that is very strange. Mate. <laughs> this is the last movie I thought that would spin off a video game franchise. Mate, like, I have been sitting on this from the moment I've seen you. Sometimes I feel like when we first catch up, I'm a little bit vague. And the reason I'm being a bit vague is because I know I've got something coming up that I say, do you know there was a fucking video game that I wanted to make about this? You lose body parts. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You insane and that's really That's really misunderstanding the uh, motivation of the women in the movie. They're not just willy-nilly hacking off body parts. Oh, yeah. Like jealous shrews. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't believe you looked at Elle Fanning. Clock, lose a finger. <laughs> Mate, it is honestly one of the funniest Fantastic. things. Fantastic. Oh, uh, I tell you what, I'm bummed that we only have one more movie to go. One like, more? Yeah. 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 Yep, yep. Only one to go. All right. <sighs> I tell you what, though, with this video game, I would only play it if I knew that the only. If you got to the final scene, it would be Corporal John McBurney looking at you going, well, that was breakfast, lunch and dinner. (laughs) Thank you to Ben for joining me today. God damn it, COVID. Why are you keeping me away from my buddy? Not allowed to hang out if you're just buddies. You're only allowed to catch up with people that you have sex with. And unfortunately, or fortunately for Ben and I, that is not our relationship. (laughs) We give each other compliments, but that's about as far as it goes. So anyway, we only have one uh, uh, Sophia Coppola movie to go, and then we will move on to the next director that we've chosen to uh, do a deep dive on. It'll be fun, I reckon. 
we're trying to keep this uh, moving in a, in a direction that you'll expect at this time. I've got to be honest, I'm going to be sad when we're done with the Coppola films. I've really, really loved them, and I'm so glad that I've watched them for the first time, and then some of the movies, I've because when you're uh, watching it for the podcast, you just kind of watch it a bit closer with more attention to detail, and I just think uh, she's fast become one of my favorite directors before i liked a few of her films and now i'm like oh no i'm i'm a proper fan so what a what a good fun time that's been and i hope it's had a positive effect on you you know you might not be a bigger fan but you might like some of the movies a little bit more or you might have been introduced to movies that you wouldn't have given a go in the past so yeah that's all great uh i'll be back on saturday with our raiders of the lost ark podcast and then Early next week, we'll have Rove on to chat about the final episode of Loki, and we'll get the final season of The Leftovers up and running too. I know I I promised you that would happen this week, but I'm just kind of working on a couple of projects and everything's remote at the moment. And for anyone who had to work from home and had to do work via Zoom meetings, goddamn, it's... It's exhausting, isn't it? Like it's a really different type of tiredness that comes from it. So I'm really keen to get back into that final season of The Leftovers. We will start that next week. Thank you for your patience. There's just so much stuff that I want to do with this podcast sometimes. It's like, ah, why can't there be more hours in the day? If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a nice review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. And also, if you'd like to recommend us to people that you think would enjoy this style of enjoying pop culture and art and entertainment, uh, please, recommendations are always the best. Let's finish this episode with a quote from Colin Farrell. Oh, I love this quote. Colin said, I've never seen a moon in the sky that... If it didn't take my breath away, at least misplaced it for a moment. Until then. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.